Welcome to another edition of the People Experience podcast. Um, I'm really excited because we've got a fantastic episode for you today. I'm going to be talking to Simone Fenton Jarvis, who is author of a book that I really love called The Human Centric Workplace. And she's also soon to be a podcast host herself with a podcast called Shape Your Work. So we can all look forward to that one. Um, Simone hones in on the employee experience and the impact that this has on organizational performance and is a hugely passionate advocate for creating change in our business culture and the spaces we inhabit. So I'm so excited to have her here and today we're going to be talking about something that I've been thinking about a lot which is the potential of the office post-COVID. I think we're in a bit of a weird stage at the moment because what had previously been dictated by COVID restrictions just isn't anymore but nor can we just pretend that COVID didn't make us question the idea of an office itself. And I want today to be an opportunity to just kind of strip that all back and reconsider what the actual potential of the office can be or find the why of the office, if you will. So I'm gonna stop babbling now. And with that in mind, hi Simone, welcome to the podcast. I'm really pleased to have you here. Hey everybody, thanks for having me. Looking forward to getting, uh, talking about all of these things, super exciting. Yeah, I think, Just as a start, it would be nice if you just kind of explained a little bit more about yourself, kind of your background and why you do care so much about creating these human-centric workplaces. Yeah, sure. So I wasn't meant to go into facilities management, which is what most people say that end up in facilities management. Um, I was meant to be a PE teacher. And after about three weeks, I decided that that was not the career for me, which was a bit awkward after you got qualified and spent a lot on student loans and stuff. Um, So I went back into facilities management and then I basically just worked up to workplace consultancy, became chief workplace officer of a global organisation, where I was looking after kind of facilities, HR, IT, just trying to really bring them three areas together. Um, And I think where my care for doing the right thing came from, I think there's an element of it's my values anyway to be people-centric. But like everything I expected from the workplace and my expectations, um, what my friends were saying, what my network was saying, you know, everything that was going on in the world, I was like, this is just, this is really rubbish. Like we need to do better than this. So obviously when the pandemic hit, it was a really good opportunity to kind of just sit and reflect on what was going wrong and to write a book about it. <laughs> I mean, yeah, and we're so glad you did. I'm, I'm a big fan of the book. <laughs> um, I, I think kind of to start it off, one of the things that I'd love to address is, is all the various comments that we've been hearing about this office return, be it from Boris Johnson or Elon Musk. There's a load of people who are massive anti-working from homers if that's what you're meant to call it um in your opinion is there any legitimacy to these concerns or is it just dog whistling um i really want to say it's just dog whistling but i think the the more time that passes i think there's a little bit of legitimacy to it all um in the i have talked to a lot of people over the last couple of years now um on this very subject and i think the, the whole concept of why we go to an office. You know, we're going for people and we're going for a purpose. Um, so I absolutely think people can work 100% remote. I am a fully remote worker, I should pr- probably put that in. But I do go to Canada quarterly and actually, even as a person myself, I really appreciate that week with my team to just do bonding, do socialising and everything else. And then it kind of keeps me fueled until the next quarter. So I think there's a you know, I don't want to do a kind of one size fits all, but I think 
there's many challenges to come up and I think you know we really need to not kind of pigeonhole ourselves and mm. into either bucket um, we've got to look at the individual and the work that they're doing and also where they are in their careers you know all the data that's coming out of CIPD at the moment is literally showing that um, that the people that are working at home are the more senior people that are more advanced in their careers and it's the younger people that are starting out that are now in the offices and that's how people are working but who are them people getting mentored by and how are they getting mentored and like because I look back in my early days and I love the fact that I had someone there that I could just watch and listen to and ask questions to. So I do I do see that as a legitimate concern. Um, yeah. But at the same time, we all want to live and work differently. So it's got to be a balance. Yeah, it's really interesting that you talk about, obviously, the fact that you work completely remotely, but at the same time, you really value that time that you can spend in that kind of like physical community. In terms of... of uh, business leaders considering what the purpose of their office is what would you say is like the process to finding that why and to finding the the real reason why they might want to have people coming into an office yeah so I think for me you know you look at all the terms that have been used around ways of working you've got agile flexible smart working hybrid working activity-based working and when you look at all of these terms the thing that flows through all of them uh, actually well, how are people working? Who are they working with? What are they trying to achieve? The last thing to ask really is location. Mm. So, you know, I think we need to get to the bottom of how do people work? And, you know, are, get the data. Are people more creative when they're in a room with a pen in the hand and post-it notes or whatever? There is certain tasks that people come alive in that environment. And there is, it's definitely easier doing it in face-to-face rather than trying to mess around with a whiteboard online. As great as the tools are, it's just not quite the same. And I think that's the feedback that everybody's been saying. So I think it's understanding the tasks that people are doing mm. and how teams work together um, and really kind of understand and listen. Um, and do it for the right reasons. Don't do it because of the old school kind of corner office. I want the mahogany desk in the corner office with a picture of my kids and my dog on it. And I want to have a power trip and get people in the office and watch what they're doing. Because that's what we're also seeing day in, day out as well. That still remains, unfortunately. So people will see through that and they will leave the organization. So it's about defining exactly what, what those tasks are and how the office can actually like support them and and be a really really valuable space for collaboration yeah the space should be an enabler it shouldn't be something that constricts somebody you know people should choose to go to the space to do something that the space is allowing them to do effectively yeah i think in the in the push to get employees back into the office um a few companies kind of tried out lots of different things there was one particularly large tech company that you can find out if you want to um that got lizzo to perform now getting lizzo to perform a isn't a long-term solution for that company and b not many people the companies have a lizzo budget what are kind of some of the approaches that that companies can take to communicating with their employees why the office is that valuable space yeah i think it goes back to you know the operating processes that teams have so as an individual how do you fit into the greater purpose of the company Um, and understanding that and understand how you work and connect with the departments around you Um, i think you know we're not going to get people back to the office long term by saying 
you know, the, there's these amenities, or we've got a special performance. <laughs> I even saw balloon modeling the other day. And yeah, I was like, like shaping balloons. Yeah. And I was like, is that <laughs> enough to make someone commute two hours into London and spend £600 a month on commuting? Probably not. Um, so I think there's got to be a bit of um, common sense as well, because um, it's a bit offensive to think that people are going to go back to the office to do balloon making. <laughs> I would, but I think that says more about me than it does about that being a good idea. Yeah, I'd do it probably once, um, but only if my <laughs> friends was going at the same time, and I'd say see it as a social opportunity. So again, yeah. the purpose. Um, but you know, I think we've got to step away from focusing on the amenities and look at the people and the purpose. Um, you know. Who is the key thing that has been said for the last two years is, well, I went to the office, nobody was there, so what's the point? I might as well go home again. Mm. So we need to really change how we're working and we need to communicate with our teams to say, I'm going in the office, are you coming in tomorrow? Are you coming in next Wednesday? And this is where the really good tech comes in. There's some really good platforms that are kind of coming out here that are really enabling that stuff, where it's a you, know, you can even say, these are the top 10 favourite people I have in the co- company. And when then people say, yes, they're going in the organisation, you get an alert that says one of your favourite people is going in. Yeah. So it's stuff like that, and it, it, it's people. For maybe the, I don't know, heads of people or HR directors who are listening, what are those great platforms that you, that you yeah. recommend? So Cadence, um, Robin, uh, Robin Powered. Um, there's, I mean, there's, there's so many. Like, there's the amount of kind of booking platforms that have exploded over the last kind of two years is insane. Um, but yeah, Robin and Cadence do things differently, in my opinion, and Condeco as well. Okay. It, they're very people-centric tools. It's not gimmicky. It's it's there to solve the problem. So they're the three that stand out to me. Amazing. And I mean, this kind of leads us on perfectly to to talking a little bit about hot desking. It's not something we do here at Handle we kind of structure our days in very much based around teams coming in so it kind of it works here i have friends who've done it mixed reviews what are your thoughts around hot desking and maybe potentially the pitfalls and then what can also go really right yeah i think the pitfalls are when you know you look at how desk space is used and the supply and the demand has got to be balanced for hot desking to work and where hot desking has gone wrong is, let's go back to the government example, where they've rationalised the estate to say some people can work in a certain way. And then one person has said, you can come back to the office now. And when you look at how many seats they have to the people, there's not enough spaces for people mm-hmm. to go into the office. So the hot desking is not going to work in that situation. Um, so, you know, I think there's a, there's a reason for hot desking. And again, it's got to go back to how people work together. I think neighbourhood working is really effective. You know, if you have 20 people in a certain team and you think, right, well, based off the data, we're going to need 15 desks, let's say. That that hot desk environment, but within the neighbourhood, works really well because you're still sat with your team and you can look at how many kind of headcount is in that department and start looking at the seating ratios. Um, so that's always fun, like working that out, which is part of my day job, actually, which is nice. Um, but I think, you know, the, the things that go wrong really are when people become attached to the desk. And when the desk gets taken away from them, people get really territorial because as human beings, we're like, no, that's our stuff. I, wanna, I want to put my bag down. And if I go in a meeting all day, I don't care. I just want to leave my bag on that chair, mm. end of. 
Um, so it's about communicating to people that that isn't your desk, that's there to enable. And actually, this is how you're working in these spaces. So instead, here's some lockers, that's where you put your stuff in between meetings or whatever. Um, and it's that communication and explaining to people. And I think the key thing is to keep that, like the transactional analysis bit, adult to adult relationships. Don't treat your employees like children because otherwise they will behave like children. Mm-hmm. Um, and they will start. I've come across an example recently actually where an organization had QR codes on the desks and they were using the QR codes to check into the spaces on the desk booking platform. Um, what happened was uh, an employee took a photograph of the QR code, booked the desk consistently for like months on end, and basically was checking in every day from home using the QR code to say that the desk was being used. And on that desk, he left his, his stuff basically, pictures of the kids and all that kind of stuff. And the organisation had worked out what was happening. Um, but that is the type of behaviour you think something's not right there. Like it yeah. wasn't even in the office, so why was he even bothered? Yeah. Um, but it's that territory. People see it as like having something taken off them. So there's got to be this transaction of you're losing this, but you're gaining this. Yeah. And if the gaining is the bit that is you're gaining flexibility because you don't have to sit at that desk all day, mm. you can work from home whenever, and you can do this, you can do that. You've got different spaces to use that are more appropriate for the task that you're doing. And this is where like open plan offices also get a beating because we create open plan offices and expect everybody to be able to kind of like work in that office no matter what task they're doing. And actually it needs to be based around the activities that are happening. So more kind of the breakout spaces, the meeting rooms. If people are trying to do collaboration and open plan office, it's just going to rotate everybody else. Yeah. In terms of open plan offices, I mean, I was reading this article the other week where they talked about um, it being difficult for people who may be more introverted. It can also be really difficult to get your head down and actually do some work. Yeah, what do you think are kind of the the problems with them and and what would your dream office space look like? Would it have much more meeting rooms? Talk me through it. Yeah, so I'm an introvert and I have spent years working in open plan offices and really struggled, um, not because of the open plan office aspect, but because there were not the right spaces for me to escape the open mm. plan office to get my head down. And I think that has been part of the challenge. And also you only have to sit next to one person who speaks a little bit louder on the phone or hits the keyboard rather than typing. Um, and you know, there's all these people, like, I used to sit next to someone and every two seconds it'd be like slamming the mouse, slamming the keyboard and you're like, oh my days, get me out of this office quickly. Um, And that kind of stuff really grates on people. And I think when we've come from this hyper-personalized space in our own environment where you can hear a pin drop, now going back into the office, open plan is even more difficult for people. So if I was going to design an office that is right for how people work, I always follow the six C's. So people need to communicate, they need to be creative, they're going to be curious, they want to contemplate, they want to concentrate um, and they want to collaborate. So communicate, collaborate, concentrate, creativity, curiosity, communication. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I saw a, like a mild panic on your face yeah, for a second like, oh, there. <laughs> which see, which see. So we see we're missing. That's the, the half four get up that's just got me. Um, but yeah, like if people can have a space that does all them six kind of things and it might be that 
there's a lot of assumptions being made at the moment that people are not going to go to an office to concentrate. They're going to do that at home instead. That's not what the research is saying because actually there's people that can't concentrate in their own homes because they're thinking, oh, I'll just put the dishwasher on. Oh, I'll just, I'm just going to stroke the dog for a minute. I'm just going to... And the concentrating bit is actually really difficult for people to do because... Mm. You, your brain goes somewhere else into this home mode it's actually easier to probably collaborate on teams and zoom and stuff at home because yeah. you're, you're engaged in something also i mean from working in like a recruitment business we have to concentrate every day because we're going to be doing stuff that's reactive we can't control whether or not we have to write a really detailed email right now it's not something that yeah. can be saved for in two days when we're going to be working from home i don't think you always have that control yeah it's not realistic to expect people to use the office for one thing and all the organizations that have kind of reduced their desks and i'm talking like by 80 90 percent i think they're going to find that they're going to regret it longer term because people are going to want that desk to work out that's really interesting i think also while we're kind of focusing so much on the office space there is also a conversation to be had around our home spaces it's interesting like you were saying that you kind of i mean it's almost like we've built these little like home office cocoons and then we're out in potentially our open plan offices and we're working in two completely opposing environments. What do you think you would kind of recommend that like people or operations teams were doing in terms of giving people kind of some education around how to optimize their home office, potentially giving them money? What, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think, so where organisations have given money towards equipment, I think that's been quite difficult because, um, you know, they've got £300 to go and buy a chair and then someone's gone and bought one from a a low-budget place where you make it yourself and then you're going to get a bad bag. So that's not what the organisation wants. I struggle not to name a company there. Um, And and I think, you know, instead, the the good organisations I have seen um, have actually had almost like a catalogue to say, you know, we want the chair to fit in with your home decor, but these are the ergonomic chairs that we would recommend. Choose one out of them five. Go, go choose one. Let me know which one you want, basically. We'll get it delivered to your house. So I think that has worked much better because the organisation has still got the responsibility to make sure that people are not going to injure themselves whilst they're working at home. Mm. There's already been some crazy cases, like in Germany, where somebody was walking down the stairs in their own house, tripped up, fell down the stairs and has sued their employer because it was an accident at work. Yeah, I find that boundary... I'm, I remember, I think when I first joined Handle last year, I read this crazy article about um, a Japanese firm, can't remember the name, don't even want to, who um, had banned employees for smoking on company time and that included from home. So it's like this really strange dynamic of yes you are on company time but you're also in your private property so how far can employers like extend that kind of control yeah and there was there was it was trending on linkedin yesterday actually and it was about our employers overstepping the mark Mm. and it was our either getting too involved in our home lives and i think there's for and against on all of that um i think where an employer is genuinely trying to help to enable people to be effective have a nice experience at work to be happy well you know positive intentions that's great where organizations are instead putting software on computers to see how long the mouse was inactive for where what what pages the eyes were looking at like it's just think really is that where we're at in 2022 that we need yeah. to do that 
And it's also being enabled. I, I mean, I'm sure you know, but like Zoom are developing software that's going to be like uh, emotion recognition yeah. software, which it's giving me the creeps. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I've just walked past a protest at the top of Oxford Street um, talk, talking exactly about that, about yeah. kind of like privacy and stuff, which was quite interesting. Yeah. So. so, yeah, I mean, like so much over the past few years, hybrid has really shown our divisions. People have completely different attitudes towards, I mean, you, you mentioned this earlier, whether or not they want to be working from an office, depending on, you know, the size of their house, whether or not they have a room that isn't their bedroom to work in, kids, dogs whatever it might be, uh, with kind of so many different needs being catered to, how do you think companies can go about like listening to people and then also hopefully providing that flexibility in what they're offering without having a completely kind of like two-track yeah. dynamic? Yeah, it's definitely not easy. No. Um, <laughs> um, it, it takes conscious effort and conscious listening. And I think at the moment where I'm seeing a lot of things go wrong, there's organisations listening to people, but then they're not doing anything about it. And then that's really frustrating people. Um, so I think to get to a point where everyone is happy, we're never going to get to that point, let's be serious. Like, you can aim for 95% of people being happy, but there's always going to be somebody that is not quite satisfied. Um, and I think we have to aim for the best, obviously. Like, I, I think the line I actually used in my book was like, there's a difference between like aiming for the moon and then actually aiming for the toxic wasteland, landing right in it and being happy that you're there. Um, so I think, you know, let's all have our best intentions of getting the, the best for everybody. It starts with listening. Um, and I, I talk like about a 12 step process within my book and doing that discovery around what are people saying? because that is people's kind of desires. What are people's intentions of how they actually want to work? Um, so the desire could be, I want flexibility. The intention is, okay, I'm gonna go to the office once or twice this week, twice next week, but then look at the actual behaviors. So what is actually happening? Because this is perfect example is it always happens with gym memberships. People will go, oh, I want an on-peak gym membership. I'm gonna go five times a week, and I'm gonna straight from work. When you look at the data, how many people go five times a week after work straight away? It's like we've got the best intentions and the best desires, but the actual reality isn't quite lined up. And I think our desires and our intentions are the thing that's leading right now because it can. Yeah. It's not set by the organisation. It's very much an employee's world at the moment. Um, so, yeah, there's a lot of challenges. Uh, definitely not easy, but it starts with active listening and actually doing things and communicating as well when you can't do things. Be, be transparent, don't hide behind stuff. Yeah. And definitely don't be hide, hide behind you know the CEO or the values of the company because you get found out and organi organizations will lose people. Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, it's totally what you're saying. And we obviously see it massively that it is an employee's world, it's a candidate's world. Yeah. These things are going to be the difference between having you know, great retention and not, and there's, the, yeah, there's a lot to be lost yeah. if you approach it wrong. Yeah. I mean, so you're someone who's obviously thinking a lot about the, f the future of workplaces. What, what do you think, I'm just going to give you a really annoying and difficult final question. <laughs> what do you think our approach to work and workplaces might look like in five years or so? 
Yeah, so I think what it's going to look like and what I hope it looks like is probably a little bit different. Um, but if we go back, right, literally back to like the Victorian workhouse, it was all very much utility, nine to five, sat at a desk, doing a task. We then focused on productivity. That's where machinery came in. We then started focusing more on the actual engagement of people. How can we make sure people are engaged to be happier at work? And then it went to experience. And the experience bit is like, we want people to want to work for us. And what I'm saying now is where the world of work needs to go is it needs to go to human. Mm -hmm. And it needs to be more about how can we enable people as individuals to thrive that they then go back into their communities and they help people in their community because you know, you're finishing work and you're motivated to go and make a difference. You've got the energy. You're not exhausted because you've had an awful day because your boss is an idiot. All of these examples that happen day in, day out, how can we make sure then that then that reflects and is positive for the planet? So, you know, it goes right back to the workplace. If we're going to make people drive or travel to an office five days a week to sit and be very sedentary and be unhappy at work, that is going to have a knock-on effect on them as individuals, their families, community, and the planet. Mm -hmm. And that's where I think we need to get it right, which is kind of why I wrote the book as well. Yeah, Um, and I mean, I'm going to plug your book because I (laughs) loved it so much, but if you want to hear more from Simone on like the employee experience and the impact that that has on organizational performance and how those things relate to space and I can't recommend the human-centric workplace enough it was such a pleasure having you to chat here Simone thank you so much for coming in no thanks for having me really good really good thank you (laughs) 